The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the fool hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we continue our our series of church matters, as we continue to look at what you have written to us, uh, Lord, in this book of 1 Corinthians, this first letter here, Father, I pray that, that even now again we would come to you and ask, Lord, that you'd open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from your word. Lord, that you might search me and know me and try me and lead me. God, I want to hear from you today. And so, Lord, I pray that you prepare my heart both to hear and to heed everything you'd have for me. We'll be sure to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. going to use this one, amen? And so I got a thumbs up saying, hey, it was working correctly the entire time. And then all of a sudden, once it came down to preaching, it's like, all right, never mind. Uh, and so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, the preaching of the cross. Church, there are things in this earth that divide. One of those things is when you just, you're talking, you're talking about things, you disagree about things. And you, you, you think you know something, the other person thinks they know something, and you, you disagree. Can I give you just a fun story just from my past? When I was uh, in a, a teenager uh, in uh, church and youth group, we always went to camp. And uh, on the way to camp one time, we had stopped just like five minutes before then at a gas station. And we were always, until this point, allowed to go and buy soda and snacks and all this stuff. And uh, one of my friends who was with me, we were sitting in the back seat because all the older teens got to sit in the back seat because, you know, that's where you wanted to sit. You didn't want to sit up front with, you know, with everyone else. But we were sitting in the back seat, and, and one of my friends, his name's Joe, he had bought an orange soda. And he took one sip, and he didn't want it anymore. And so he had the bright idea, and he's like, hey, I don't want this anymore. Should I just dump it out the back? And he's like, and like, no. He's like, why not? It's like, I want to get the van behind us because we had multiple vans. And I'm like, because if you dump it out the back, it's not going to hit the van behind us. It's going to come right back in the, in the van. And he looked at me and he said, you're dumb. That's not, that's not how this works. And I'm thinking in my mind, no, this is true. This is how it works. And, and so Joe was on this side of me. 
And he was telling me I was dumb. And this, this guy over here, his name was Nick. He starts chiming in saying, no, yeah, that, that's not how aerodynamics works. The air just goes over. And so I'm telling them not to do it. And we, listen, we were divided. We were very much divided on this subject. The, part, the, the bad part was I wasn't the one holding the soda. The person who thought he should dump it out the back was holding the soda. And so what did he do? He dumped it out. What happened? It came right back in his face. We were divided. And the thing is, is church, there's a lot of things that divide. There's a reason why people don't like to talk about politics or religion at Thanksgiving. There's a lot of things that divide. And we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians is really about unity. But we can't have unity simply for the sake of unity. We have unity based on something, and that something is the preaching of the cross. We have unity based on the preaching of the cross, but the preaching of the cross does not unify everyone. You see, in this passage that we're reading, number one, we see the factions declared. Verse number 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. You see, the preaching of the cross divides. I'll never forget being on a plane going to Maine. I was going to Maine to preach a teen rally, and I was sitting by two, two gentlemen. Um, well, my partner was sitting in front of me. He was sitting by someone, and I was sitting behind it by another person. And we were talking and having a great time talking and just getting to know each other. But listen, I- I'm traveling the country preaching the gospel. There's no possible way that I'm going to fly the entire way uh, to-, to Maine from Illinois without sharing the gospel. Actually, we went from Illinois to Georgia. Then we were going up to Maine. Uh, but there's no way I'm not going to share the gospel. And so I- we're talking, we're talking like, hey, you know, we're talking, this is great, but can I ask you just... Where are you going to spend eternity? He's like, oh, this. And I brought up Jesus, and he looked at me. He's like, listen, I like you, but we're going to have trouble. We're going to have trouble if you, bring, if, if you keep talking about this. I'm like, oh. Listen, he was fine. He liked me. We were good. We were the best buds. Until I brought up the cross. Because there was a big divide. There was no unity between us when it came to the cross. Because the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. We see here that the preaching of the cross, the cross brings division. Jesus Christ said himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So many people have no problem with Christianity except for the fact that Jesus says he's the only way. And then once they say, oh, Jesus, no, no, Jesus, you, you have all these other ways. How, how are you saying that all these other people are wrong and that Jesus is right? Well, because Jesus is God. How do you know Jesus is God? Because he's alive. Here, there's an empty tomb. Listen, if there, wasn't, if there wasn't an empty tomb, I would say they're correct. But the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But even Jesus himself knew that what he came to do was going to divide. Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. Suppose ye I'm going to come and give unity. Nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five 
in one house divided three against two, two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and the son-in-law against the mother-in-law. I know that's not there, but we just got to add it in, right? There's division. There's division. We can't have unity for unity's sake. We need to stand strong and firm. And so when we stand strong and firm on what the word of God says, we stand strong and firm on who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. There's division. And when we stand strong and stand firm, there are, there's not just different opinions, but there are different foundations that we see. When we stand strong and firm on the preaching of the cross, we stand strong and firm on the solid rock. Amen. Matthew, 4, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which had built his foundation upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon it, upon that house, and it fell, what not? For it was founded upon a rock. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You don't have it back there. It's okay, but it says no other foundation can be laid than that, than that which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. You know, thinking, even, even this morning, I, lo- I love wrestling with my boys. My wife loves it even more than I do. She loves when I wrestle with them. In fact, she tells me that I'm the reason they misbehave. <laughs> but even this morning, you know, Charlie wanted to wrestle. I was just standing there, literally just standing there. And he came up, and he, he, he stepped back, and he came up and, ah, and just came at me and just, bam. I didn't move. Not even, not even an inch. I didn't even flinch. He tried again and again and again. And not once, not once did I move. He didn't have the power to move me. Even more so. Listen, one day he's going to get older enough where he's going to move me. But even more so, Christ, God, is never going to be moved we have a solid rock the church we see in first first timothy chapter 3 verse 15 the church is the pillar and ground of the truth and the truth does not change the truth does not change we see in matthew chapter 16 verse 18 that even jesus christ tells peter listen the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church why because it cannot be Moved. The church has a solid foundation, and that solid foundation is Christ and what he has done. But the world, the world doesn't have that foundation, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 26 says, And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Listen, it's not a good idea to build your house on sand. It's not a good idea to build your house on a foundation that's not solid. It reminds me of the San of San Francisco's Millennium Tower. It was completed in 2009 and ever since then it has just kept tilting and tilting and tilting and tilting. And they actually started to try to fix it. They're digging. They have to dig down 250 feet. 250 feet. 
in order to get bedrock and get into it like they need to. And here's the thing. As soon as they started construction, they had to stop. Why? Because the building actually started tilting faster. Now, the funny thing is, is they say that building was fine. It never actually started tilting at all until something was built next to it. And listen, people in this world seem fine until something else comes alongside them. And it moves things, and it moves their foundation, and it affects their foundation. And their foundation, listen, it starts to crumble. It starts to crumble. Listen, there are, there are two factions in this world. And the two factions are people who believe the preaching of the cross and people who don't. And to the people who don't, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them. And so we look in this passage, Paul goes from talking about and discussing these factions to discussing the foolishness. So number two, we see the foolishness discussed. When we look at this passage, we see truly the fall of worldly wisdom. When you think about what the world deems to be wise, let's be honest, we have to consider a lot of things, don't we? We have to think a lot about a lot of schools of thought. You have the wisdom of hedonism, which is pleasure-seeking. Live life to the fullest. You have the wisdom of religion. There's a lot of different religions in this world. You know, most Americans treat God as, and when they, when they were interviewed, there was an interview done where most Americans view God as a nice grandfather in heaven that just leaves them alone until they need something, and when they ask for something, he just loves them, so he'll give it to them. We look at just false religion. False religion, most of the time, and really, I think probably all the time, is man just trying to work their way to God. They just, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But we can't. See the wisdom of religion? You see the wisdom? What about the wisdom of psychology? Your problems are not your fault. Yes, they are. Listen, I grew up in a home that was not Christian. I grew up in a neighborhood where the friends I would go out and play with, their families were not Christian. If there's someone in here this morning who, based off psychology, because it's your past that just affects and determines who you are, listen, I wouldn't be here. Every person that I hung out with Listen, as far as I know, they are, they are not doing well. In fact, I know multiple people that I hung out with, that I went to school with, who are dead because of decisions they made. The difference between me and them, can I tell you? Simply put, was the preaching of the cross. Psychology just tells you your problems aren't your fault, but that's not true. But you also have this, or, or the, psychology, the philosophical wisdom of today. Just live your truth. What's ever true for you is, is okay. Or about the wisdom that a lot of conservatives live by. The wisdom of the American dream. Just work hard and you'll be happy. Just work hard and you'll be happy. And so many people, we live by that. But 1 Corinthians 1.19 says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. 
You can go ahead and put Isaiah 29, 14 on the screen. You can look at it there. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1, 19, is actually quoting this verse here. You can just scroll through it so they can, they can read it. But the, the context of this verse was that Judah was kind of staring down and kind of worried about the, the, the superpower that was there called Assyria. And the counselors to the king told the king, listen, if we're going to be able to fight against Assyria and not lose, we have to go to Egypt. And we have to partner and ally with Egypt. That way, Assyria won't even think to take us on. But that's not what God told them to do. God told them, just trust me. God told, just trust God. Just trust me and you'll be okay. You don't need anyone else. But the king decided to go with the counselors. And so what did, what did he do? He went down to Egypt and aligned himself with the Egyptians. Do you know what God did? God took the Assyrians to the Egyptians first. And the Egyptians just folded. I mean, it wasn't even a fight. And so now, guess what? The wisdom of the counselors was foolish. God destroyed the wisdom of the wise. And in the same way today, listen, the wisdom of the wise says, work your way. The wisdom of the wise said, do what you have to do. Just figure it out yourself. But with the preaching of the cross, God destroys the wisdom of the wise. It's not about what you can do. It's not about at all what we can do. Listen, the wisdom of the world always, 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 always leads to destruction. Listen, it led to destruction in the Garden of Eden, and it still leads to destruction today. Now, we might think like, yeah, that world, man, their wisdom is terrible. But how many times when something happens, instead of looking to God, just like the king of Judah did, we look to the world. And we think, okay, I just got to figure it out. I just got to figure it out. I can, I can do this. Listen, a month after I moved into the house I'm currently in now, our basement flooded. One month. I looked at our finances. I looked at everything. Like, you know what? This is okay. We can do this. And so we got a loan to fix the problem. Okay, another time. A couple years later, I love my house. It's, it's great. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. A couple years later, my kitchen floor starts falling down. <laughs> just that area of the house. It's just not good. It's, it's better now, though. But it starts falling down. Listen, both things were the same exact amount, pretty much. Both things were the same amount. Listen, when it came to my kitchen floor falling down... I had zero ways to do it myself. I had no way to pay for it. So you know what I had to do? I was forced to do, just like the, Egypt, the, 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 you know, the Judah with the, with the Assyrians. I was forced simply to depend on God. Can I tell you, today, I'm still paying off the loan that in sin, I will say this, in sin I took out because I didn't depend on God. I have zero debt for my kitchen floor. One, I depended on my own strength. 
The second one, I couldn't depend on my own strength. God took it away. I didn't have any extra, <laughs> extra cash to depend on. Listen, we often depend and think and act just like the world does. We say, yeah, well, we believe the preaching of the cross. We believe in Christ, but then our actions speak otherwise. Church, we need to depend on God. Listen, the, 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 the wisdom of the world is just bankrupt. Listen, they have, they have what they think is wisdom. And listen, even in their wisdom, you know what they give? They give false requirements. Like, hey, if you just do this, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it. And we see this in the passage, too. We see the false requirements. 1 Corinthians 1.22, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. See, the Jews, they said that they sought to be, they sought to be convinced miraculously. But they, they said they required a sign. But you look back in the New Testament, when Jesus gave them a sign, you know what they said? They said, oh, he just did that through the power of Satan. By Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. We see this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. It says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by the prince of the devils. Now, what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about what Christ did in verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, could not see, could not hear, could not talk. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw, but blind could not, could not see, could not speak. And the Bible says, and all the people were amazed and said, it, and listen, listen to this, is not this the son of David? Now there's a reason why the people said this. In Jewish tradition, in the Jewish mind, only... Only, only, only someone who was sent from God could ever cast out a demon that was in a person who was blind and dumb. That was what was taught in the synagogues. That only someone who was from God could do that. And so when they... When he does this, the people say, is not this the son of David? Is not this the anointed one, the Messiah that's supposed to come? They knew it. And God showed it to him. This, listen, if, if there was ever a sign that should have been like, hey, ding, ding, ding. Here he is. This should have been it. But no, what, we, what do we see? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. It's not about miracles. If it's about miracles, when, when the rich man who was in, in, in the flame, being tormented in the flames, asked Abraham, Send, uh, send Lazarus that he may just tell my my brothers, because they see someone risen up from the grave, they'll believe. Send him. And what, is, what, what, is, what does Abraham say? Listen, if, if they don't believe Moses, if they don't believe the word, they're not going to believe if someone rises again from the dead. Listen, 
You have to believe the preaching of the cross. It's about nothing else. You either believe the preaching of the cross or you don't. What's simply true is that, that, that Jesus, he didn't fit what the Jews wanted. He was taking away their power, and so they rejected him. Even though, to be honest, oh, I think they knew it. They knew who he was. You know, sadly, I also believe that if Jesus Christ came in the flesh today and started attending most average American churches, that sooner or later the churches would ask him to leave because he upset the apple cart. I'll never forget being in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, it was a church of like 13 people, very small. But one of the ladies in the church had these small, like precious moment angel figurines. And she had them on the communion table. Well, I come in, I see that, I'm like, hey, pastor, why do we have these? Like, first off, angels aren't, men, aren't women in the Bible, and this doesn't see like something that should be on the communion table. Well, they, uh, they won't let us move it. You know, when Jesus saw the temple, and in the temple they were exchanging money and doing things they should have, what did he do? Twice? He overthrew the tables. I think so many times Christ would come in and he would upset the apple cart. He would make people mad and people would get out. Get out. Too often we try to change and make church what we want it rather than make church what the Bible says it should be. Listen, the Jews, the Jews, really, were fine with Christ until he spoke. He didn't uphold their traditions. The Jews sought to be convinced mentally. The Greek, or miraculously, the Greeks, they sought to be convinced mentally. They were wise. Wise people. We see this in Acts chapter 17, verse 21. It says, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. They were learned people. But you see, when Paul comes, Paul comes and preaches to them the word of God, and he's speaking and he's speaking and he's speaking, and everything's okay. And so let's, let's begin, let's start the reading in verse number 31. It says, Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by, a, by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And right there they stop him. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some what? Mocked. And others said, we will hear thee again on this matter. Listen, what really happened? Jesus didn't fit their reasoning. God come down as man and die? That's what? Weak. Listen, the Greeks thought themselves so smart. They, they had it all just figured out. And the idea that they had to put their reasoning aside and rely completely on Christ, it was revolting to them. They, were, they, were, they, were, they viewed themselves as very wise people. They viewed themselves as above other people. And so it's interesting when, when, when Paul came, listen, 
Paul wasn't afraid of them. In fact, Paul invited debate. We see this in verse number 20. It says, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer, the debater of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, Paul isn't here calling the preaching foolishness. No, it was the Greeks that called the preaching foolishness. He's just saying, listen, by what you consider foolishness, that is the power of God unto salvation. Listen. They need to lay aside their wisdom. And we need to lay aside our wisdom. It's not about us. And it's not about you. You may think you know. Man, so many of the world just think they know. Yes, the world is here. Why? Because of the Big Bang. And then over billions and billions of years, here we are. You know, pastor the other day said, you know, people just believe that their ancestors are single-cell organisms. No, let's go back even further. No, people who believe in evolution believe their ancestors are rocks. Because what happened, in, in their belief, the Big Bang happened, and listen, if you believe this, I want you to think about this. The Big Bang happens in the belief of the evolutionist. What happens? You have these big balls of magma that are spinning around. They form, and then they dry up. And then it rains on the rocks and creates the primordial soup. And in the primordial soup, life begins. And so to an evolutionist, your ancestors are not monkeys. Your ancestors are rocks. That doesn't make sense. Listen, I'm not, that just doesn't make sense. But what the world is trying to do is they're trying to explain the world without God. They're trying to explain the world without God. Listen, I can't blame them for doing it. They're doing what comes natural. They don't believe in God, so they're trying to find the best explanation. It's understandable why they're doing it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, listen, we shouldn't judge the world for believing things that are not godly. They're not godly. But Paul just calls it, listen, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. The way of the world is foolishness. Listen, there is a faith that is demanded. Number three, there's a faith that is demanded. There is foolishness by the world, but the world, listen, the world is not without hope. There is opportunity, there is a faith that is demanded. And that object of the faith we see, 1 Corinthians one twenty three. but we cre- preach what? Christ crucified. Under the Jews, a stumbling blocks, and under the Greeks, foolishness. But what do we preach? Even though they, they look at us with scorn, even though they think, they think that, that Christianity is dumb, and, and people who believe in, 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 oh, the world was created in six days, that's, that's preposterous. They think it's foolish. But we don't, doesn't, that doesn't mean we stop preaching it. Because it's what they need to hear. It is the truth. We don't preach anything else. 
Paul makes this very clear in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him, what, be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which the, that ye have received, let him be accursed. Listen, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that we have to make sure that the church is pure on, and that, that is the gospel. Now there's more. We can't allow sin to, to remain in the church either. But if there's one thing that we need to make sure that we are always, 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 always correct on pure on that is the gospel because it is the power of god unto salvation first corinthians chapter 1 verse number 18 for the preaching of the cross of christ is them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of god and listen it's the power of god to anyone who receives christ it says, but as many as received him, John chapter 1, verse 12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood. You're not born a Christian. Just because you were born in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian, nor of the will of flesh. You can't work your way. Just because you, you don't break the law or just because you do good things. No, that, that's not good. It's not good enough. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all broken God's law. We are all lawbreakers. But it also says, and we kind of put this together, but it shouldn't be. But it also says there are none righteous, no, not one. What that means is there's none who always do good. There's none that do good. Why? Because we're all selfish. Can we be honest this morning? We're all selfish. When it comes down to it, what do we want to do? We want to think about what's best for me. What does Christ say? No, we always should think about what's best for others. We're supposed to look for the needs of look after the needs of others, help others, to love others more than ourselves. That means putting their need ahead of ours without, and this is the hard part, right? Agape love without expecting anything in return. No one does that perfectly. No one. Without Christ, that form of love is not possible. Listen, every single person is born a sinner and is born separated from God. And listen, if you die separated from God, you will live forever in a place called hell. Not because God wants you there, but because God is a righteous, holy God and he can't allow sin to remain in his presence. But there's hope. There's hope. Because Jesus Christ came to this earth. Jesus Christ, God, God in the flesh, came to this earth, lived 33 and a half years, never did what was wrong, always did what was good. He never broke the law, and he was completely righteous. But then he died. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And we can't, pay, we can't pay our sin. Do you ever wonder why people have to spend eternity in hell? Because we can't pay it. Because we can't pay the penalty. Listen, Jesus Christ in the garden praying, God, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. Well, if they live three trillion years in hell, after three trillion years, they can get out. Done. 
Because then you still have the rest of eternity left. No. You can't pay it at all. It is not payable by you. But Jesus Christ, in the infinite God, died. And because he died, not having to pay his own penalty, his payment is infinitely worth it. So he can pay something that we cannot. And he did pay it because he did die on that cross. He was buried for three days. And then he rose again victorious. And you can trust him. You can receive him today. Take hold of him and say, and, and trust him for the forgiveness of your sins. Everyone can do it. 1 Corinthians 1.24, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks. You know what that means? Everyone. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. John 1, 12 through 13, but as many as receive him, but as many as receive him, but as many as, how, how many? As many as do it. As many as take hold on him, as many as believe, as many as trust him, God will save. He can save everyone, but he will only save those who believe. Why? Because they, they're the ones who turned in faith to trust him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. The forgiveness of sins is available to everyone. But it is just only those who believe. It's only those who turn to him in faith and him alone. There's an, exclusivity, there's an exclusiveness about this faith. It's only for those who believe. If you don't believe... God's not like, oh, yeah, they were good. Just, just let them in. No, he's a holy God. He can't just let them in. He can't just let you in. You see 1 Corinthians 1.25, but the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. You think about what does this verse mean? Well, the foolishness of God, God's plan. God's plan to send his son, Jesus Christ, that's foolish. What the world thinks as foolishness is wiser. The weakness of man, the, the Greeks, they look at God dying on the cross, how weak. That's a weak God. But the weakness of God is stronger than men. He wasn't weak in doing that. But if you can't put aside the worldly wisdom, listen, God's not going to look it's not, God's not going to just like, ah, you can come. No. He's holy. He's perfect. John 14, 6, again, we said this at the beginning of the, the, beginning of the message. Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. Salvation is only available through him. Amen. And he that believeth on him is not condemned. Amen, church? He that believeth, he, the person who trusts Christ is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen. I'm done with this. God loves you. Church. God loves you. Church, God loves your neighbor. God loves your family. You won't ever wonder why he hasn't come back yet. We see that in 2 Peter 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering. That's a weird word, right? It means patient. He's patient. Why is he patient? Let's go on. Long-suffering to us, patience toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, he hasn't come back because he wants you to trust him. Because he loves you. If you were the only person to have ever sinned, let's say we got all this way, we're still living in the Garden of Eden, and you were the one who ate of the tree, and the only one who ate of the tree, you know what would happen still? Jesus Christ would die on the cross. Because Jesus loves you. And yes, you deserve to go to hell. Listen, so do I. So does every person in here. But God doesn't want that. He's loving. He's merciful. You trust him today.